You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, this is Interviews, episode 100. Yes, 100 interviews with entrepreneurs across continents, and I am not counting special episodes. So I wanted to invite a special guest for this occasion. And I have the pleasure to be with Paul Tanner, the co-founder and CEO of PupWorks Inc., which he founded 11 years ago at the age of 66, whoops, 66, yes, you heard me, 66, after working for other people for 40 years. So if you do a quick calculation, it gives you an idea of Paul's age today. And so for episode <laughs> 100, we're going to celebrate senior entrepreneurs. Paul's company, PupWorks, designs and manufactures sustainable packaging for the consumer packaged goods industry. It offers compostable products, molded from 100% post-consumer waste paper and agriculture. Said another way, PubWorks turns garbage into safe, planet-friendly products. Paul has also been a TED resident since 2017. His TED talk, How I Became an Entrepreneur at 66, have had 2.4 million views and counting. Before I turn to Paul, log on my website and download your copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset, Seven Tactics to Avoid Being the Bottleneck in Your Business. You'll find the link in the show notes. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a global remote company that has been providing marketing and communication services since 2005. Their goal, help you thrive in the new normal. Log on their website to learn more, socialprize.me. Hello, Paul. Thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you for, thank you for inviting me. So I've watched your TED Talk. I really, I really enjoyed it. And that's why I contacted you. I contacted you right after I watched it. <laughs> Excellent. And, Excellent. And, you know, I think you're a great representation of the saying, age is just a number. A career of 40 years, you could have retired, but you didn't. Now, 10 years as an entrepreneur, so 50 plus years working. I mean, what makes you keep on going? <laughs> um, well, you know, I could, uh, the, the, the uh, glib answer is the bills keep me working. <laughs> um, paying, paying the bills. And that, that's actually, that's actually true uh, in many ways. Uh, I mean, you know, the cost of the cost of living, and I certainly don't have a lavish lifestyle by any means, but just the mere cost of living, and particularly living in California, is is very very costly. Um, but I think it's also important to say I I really like I really like what I'm doing. Um, I I would miss it if. Uh, somehow it disappeared tomorrow um i don't have hobbies like golf or things of that sort that you know people sort of gravitate to in their uh you know retirement years uh, so um 
I really like what I'm doing. I think I'm doing something positive for the planet. It gives me a lot of this gives me a lot of wonderful feedback. Um, it just feels really good to be involved in something that doesn't feel like work, as they say. I mean, it. And and right now, uh, having done it for eleven years, um, you know, we have a system, and we have we have collaborators and partners, um, and I. You know, I'm able to accomplish what I want to accomplish in a in a in a brief period of time. It doesn't, you know, I don't put in 10-hour days or things of that sort. I've returned customers and customers who refer us to other customers. We don't have any customers in Finland yet, but we we have uh, quite a few customers in Europe, um, and um, it's just it's just very rewarding. That's all I can say. It's it's probably the work I've done in my life. Um, it's also the most challenging work I've yeah. done in my life too. But yeah, I, no plans to stop. And uh, that answer another question I've had. You know, would you ever stop? You already answered it. You have no plans to stop. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you should never say never. I mean, you you don't know what the future might hold. You know what uh, my you know my own you know, fortunately, I'm in, I'm in good health and that sort of thing, but who knows what kind of offer I might get someday and um, what that offer would look like. So you should never say never, but, but you know, unless something really remarkable happens, I'm, I'm very happy to keep doing what I'm doing. 11 years ago, when you became an entrepreneur after yeah. 40 years working for others, you know, what, what, happened in, what happened in your mind? What, how how did you decide to become an entrepreneur? That's a good question. I think um, I think I always I, I always um, had you know what's the word uh, not aspirations. I I, I was always uh, impressed by the entrepreneurs around me, the people I met through my work. You know, uh, family members who were entrepreneurs. I was always impressed by by them and the work they did and they just seemed so much more interesting than the colleagues that I had in the corporate world they they were they were much more fascinating and I just enjoyed being around them um and and it's something I wanted to do but I never had the courage to take the step uh, I always found some excuse you know uh, uh paying the mortgage or paying paying for the kids to go to school or you know some um there was always some excuse but it, but it was just an excuse it, it was i could have done it i was just fearful i would have had the support of my wife and my family no matter when i chose to do it um i just i just was afraid to take the step however uh bef you know when i found myself without a job i was fired from my last job um, oh, wow. for, for the first time in my life, I was fired. Um, and I was without a job and I was at a crossroads. Um, and I thought to myself, I was 64 at that time. I, I thought I am not going to get another job. You know, no people just aren't quick to hire a 64 year old, sadly nor did I want another job. I, I was done with working for others. 
So the question became, what can I do? What can I do on my own? And it took me two years to, to you know, clearly develop the idea for Pulpworks, um, getting all the pieces in place and, you know, testing my, testing my theories and bouncing questions off other people. It took two years to come up with the, with the plan, but, um, but once I came up with it, I, um, I, you know, I went at it full speed ahead and um, I'm, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. So getting fired was a, was a, as they say, a blessing in disguise for me. Yeah. Um, it's never too late to reinvent yourself. <laughs> it is. It really isn't. If you, if you have the, the passion, never too late. So uh, I was reading, I was reading, um, you know, about senior entrepreneurship on, on the internet. And in the USA, I found that the older entrepreneurs have a 70% success rate starting a new venture, while the younger generation or young entrepreneurs, uh, their success rate is only at 28%, so significantly lower. Well, why is that? I, that makes sense to me. Uh, it really does, because I think older entrepreneurs, um, well, first of all, they bring a lot more experience to their new venture. I mean, just by virtue of their age, they, you know, they've, they've been out there, they've been, they've been working um, and, you know, very likely working in the same field as their new business. And the other thing that I know, I know it was true for me, that they're not, they're not eager to experiment. Um, they want to get it right the first time. Um, unlike a 28-year-old, if if their business if their business idea fails, they just pick themselves up and try something new, uh, a, a new version, a new variation on the original idea, maybe a whole new idea. But when you're you know when you're 66 or 76 you don't have that many new ideas available to you. You, you, you want to get it right the first time. I, I know that was the case with me. I wanted to make sure that my concept Pulpworks was, was the right one for me, that it had, you know, that it had everything that I was looking for, including, uh, you know, a, a good chance for success. Um, yeah, I just don't think that older entrepreneurs are willing to gamble um, with their time the way younger entrepreneurs can and are willing to do. Um, it makes perfect sense to me. Would you say you are on, on a quest to promote entrepreneurship among senior people? Well, quest sounds... <laughs> like something out of literature. <laughs> I can't think of myself. I, I wouldn't say I'm on a quest. Uh, that it just that sounds too grandiose. Okay. Um, but but I'm certainly, I'm certainly eager, willing, and anxious to promote it. I, I really am. I mean, how, how far I'll go, I guess, is the question. Um, but but I love talking about it. I love you know, I love promoting the idea. Um, yeah, you could say it's a, a, a bit of a quest, I guess, maybe quest without a capital Q or something like that. Fair enough. Why is it so important for you? 
I, I mean, I know, you know, like myself, I mean, there's so many people my age who are just, you know, they're still, they still have ideas. They're vital. They want to make a contribution. They, they, they've had, they've had successes in their life already. They, you know, they, they've been down the road. They know the, you know, they know what to avoid, what to do. Uh, I think we just bring a lot to the table. We bring a lot to the table. And I don't mean just as entrepreneurs. I mean, you know, even as employees, I, I don't understand why a company, why a company wouldn't hire a 60 year old, you know, somebody with say 35 years of experience. Why wouldn't they hire a 60 year old um, who's going to bring all of that experience with them and probably not be looking for another job so quickly. In other words, probably willing to willing to dedicate the next five, even 10 years of their life to this particular employer. Whereas a younger employee, you know, someone in their 20s or 30s, anxious to climb the corporate ladder, you know, they're going to move on in two years if they're not getting what they want or three years you know, you can't, you can't count on them to give you more than that if they, if they feel um, that they're not getting what they want. I, I, don't see, I don't see the issue. I mean, somebody who's 60 brings 35 years of experience. They're willing to give you the next five, 10, 10 years of their career uh, versus somebody 25 who's got virtually no experience and is only willing to give you a couple years uh, if you don't you know, if you don't give them what they're looking for, it, to me, it's a, it, there's no comparison. And yeah. I don't, I don't understand why businesses aren't beating a path to the door of older employees. I, I honestly, I'm sure they've got their reasons and their explanations and, you know, we're too expensive, you know, or we're too set in our ways or I, I'm sure they, I'm sure they've got their answers. Um, but they're not sufficient answers, if you ask me. I get, I get you. I'm, I'm sure. So they have answers like, um, you know, all health issues. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. like we're stuck paying your health insurance. And yeah. yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I'm 45. I have, I have, I have like 20 years of experience, and I can say that my way of working has changed over time. To give you an example, today I work uh, smarter and uh, not harder, right? I used to work harder, a lot more hard, but sometimes it was not as smart as today. <laughs> but I also, I also spend more time uh, enjoying the ride than going from one peak to another, you know, without stopping to enjoy the view. And that, that I believe makes me more efficient. So... Now, I'll put myself into your shoes with you have like 30 more years of experience than me, which is which is huge. And so that gives you a lot more perspective than than me. So how have your way of working transformed over the years? That's a that's an interesting question. I um, as I as I heard you describe your your own journey, um, I, I was shaking my head. Uh, in agreement, because I think like you, uh, you know, I, I thought working hard was just putting in the hours, you know, yeah. staying, um, 
yeah, I have no desire to do that now. I mean, I, I mean, I look for ways to work smarter, you know, for, uh, you know, automated systems, uh, um, you know, whatever, uh, any, anything that will enable me to, to work smarter. Um, and I guess, you know, working smarter means, you know, putting in less time to get the same thing accomplished, or maybe even something better accomplished. I'm pretty happy with the way things are now. I mean, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm, I'm working smarter. Um, and, and especially in the, in, in the business that I have, you know, I'm, I'm working smarter. I'm, I'm working more flexibly. Um, you know, I don't, don't feel the need for a permanent office anymore. I've tried to, I've tried to eliminate paper, you know, from my life and my business as much as possible. Um, and, I, and I think I've been fairly successful at that. There's, uh, well, I know I have, I, I know I have. And in fact, as we speak, I'm moving. Um, I'm move, my, my wife and I are moving from California um, to the East Coast, to New York. And, you know, basically we had to pack up our lives and move yeah. it across country. So we did a lot of, um, we did a lot of uh, discarding and donating and selling and, you know, trying to trim down our, uh, our possessions and stuff. Um, and I know as far as my office is concerned, I, I mean, I've been working from home since the pandemic. We used to have, we used to have an office, um, but, but ever since the pandemic, I've been working exclusively from home. And, um, you know, I was able to um, fit the, um, the paperwork, et cetera, uh, of my business in one box uh, for the move across country. And I, I guess the only thing better than that would be no boxes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, but one box, one box is not shameful at all. One box filled with, you know, you know, a couple dozen files or something. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of that. That's, I think that's, that's pretty good. My, my laptop computer and one box, and that seems to be uh, all I'll need to, you know, get, get my roots planted again uh, once yeah. we arrive in New York. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? Well, the main thing I've learned about myself is, is that I'm a better salesman than I ever gave myself credit for. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, I, I always thought that I was a dreadful salesman. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't like sales. I didn't think I was very good at it. Um, and I wasn't very good at it, but I think I've become better. And I, I, you know, I've heard many people say, I'm sure you have too, like you, you're always in sales. You're, you know, you're selling yourself or your, your business or your idea, or you're always in sales one way or another, uh, but now I'm really in sales. I mean, I have a business, you know, with a service and a product that we, that we provide to, to other businesses. So, um, and I'm better at it. I'm, 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 I'm better at it than, uh, than I gave myself credit for earlier in my life. I think I, I, I try to be the salesman. You know, there were things about the salesman that I would meet throughout my life that I didn't like. You know, I was not attracted to them or their business. You know, most likely they weren't successful selling me something. Or if they were, you know, I reluctantly purchased it. Um, so I tried to model myself after 
those qualities that I found attractive. You know, the salesmen who were also very, te <clears throat> very technically competent and could act, you know, in a consulting capacity as well as a sales capacity. You know, salesmen that treated you with respect, you know, and that, you know, you weren't just another sale for them. I've tried to model myself after, you know, the the better qualities in the world of uh, in the world of sales, and and I th I think I've done okay. I think um, I think I'm I'm a pretty decent salesman for for my business, for my business. I'm I'm happy to to hear that. You know, when I when I do sales uh, training with uh, my clients, I uh, always uh, have a, that exercise where I ask um, the trainees to describe the the worst salespeople they know of. <laughs> and it's and it's always it's what you're saying, you know. And it's 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 always the same things that that come back. You know, someone who is pushy, or someone who does who doesn't listen to you, uh, someone who follows his own his own agenda, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we, so we all know what a bad salesperson is. And funny enough, we tend to repeat the same patterns. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we are able. If you are, so what I, what I what I tell my clients, if you're able to, you know, uh, identify what a bad salesperson is, well, you're also able to identify what a good salesperson is. It's exactly the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And 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 we've met. You know, we've met plenty of both, really. Yeah. So uh, you talk about your your business. Tell us a little bit more about uh, PulpWorks. We convert waste, uh, primarily paper waste and agricultural waste, um, into um, packaging. Um, uh, in in most cases, I would say premium kind of packaging um, uh, for cosmetics, electronics, uh, pharmaceuticals, medical devices. The method and the process that we use is is not novel. It's been around for many many decades. Yeah. And it's the same process that's used to make egg cartons. Um, if you, you know, I'm sure you right now have a carton of eggs in your refrigerator. And that process is, is called molded pulp or molded fiber, where um, paper waste is taken and um, turned into a slurry or, um, you know, something like that, and then filled into molds and uh, dried and pressed and, uh, you know, voila, you've got um, an egg carton after that process. That's a pretty basic kind of work in our in our field. We our packaging is more a little more sophisticated and and we we don't use very much paper waste. Most of our waste, the waste that we use is sugarcane waste. That's the waste that you have once the juice is uh, pressed out of the sugarcane plant you're left with a, a, a fibrous mess, really. Um, yeah. and, and that fibrous waste is uh, turned into a pulp with the addition of water. And then it's that pulp that we press into molds to create our packaging. And it gives you, uh, it gives you an end result that's not, not at all like um, egg cartons. It's, uh, it's very white and smooth and sleek and has a very premium appearance. But the good news is uh, just like an egg carton, it's completely compostable, um, it's recyclable, um, and it's, you know, it's biodegradable. So um, 
you kind of have the best of both worlds. You have a good looking package that's also very sustainable. I'm not very familiar with this with this uh, industry. So yeah. here's my, my, my question. If it is that good, why don't we see it more often in, in other industries? Sure, sure. Um, well, a number of reasons. It, it has it has design limitations. There are there are a number of design uh, concepts that you can't do in our process. Right. You can't create you can't create bottles. Um, you can't create um, you know closed items like like bottles. You know containers and jars and things like that. Yeah. It's most common uh, for creating trays or or clamshells like an egg carton. Um, if you open up an egg carton, it's really really two trays connected by a hinge. So there are some there are some really serious design limitations um, for using molded fiber. And the other thing is it it's it's not anywhere near as good a barrier as plastic and glass. So if you're if the product that you're packaging requires a very strong impermeable barrier molded fiber is not the answer for that either so that you begin to you begin to eliminate a lot of different categories of products um, you're still left with quite a few options i mean it's a wonderful option for anything that would that needs to be uh, in a in a tray really any anything that's packaged in a tray you know whether that's tablets or capsules or you know small vials you know anything that needs to fit in a tray um, as a secondary package it, that's the ideal use of molded fiber i understand so what is the your big dream with this business well certainly we certainly could stand to have more business that 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 would that would not be that would not be bad <laughs> You know, I, I haven't really allowed myself the luxury of uh, of establishing a, a, a dream for. Well, I don't know if it's a luxury to be honest with you. I, I've tried to immerse myself in the in the now, you know, the current, and in I've tried to um, make sure that I'm enjoying the. I know it sounds like a cliche, but make sure I'm enjoying the journey instead of the destination. So I, you know, I I really haven't focused on, you know the next five years or the next 10 years or something like that. I'm, I'm much more caught up with what's going on right now and making sure that I'm enjoying that and, and getting the most out of that. Let me ask Go you ahead. the question differently. Okay. What, what's, what's the legacy you would like to leave behind you? That is, that is the same question in a much, uh, in a much more, much more interesting phrase, I guess, the way you've described it. Um, I would like I would like the, the the business to live on beyond beyond me and hopefully in, in its current fashion, me, meaning that the Pulpworks name uh, would carry on, you know, um, and and I'm not exactly sure, you know, what that would look like. Would a colleague or a family member take that over? Would a one of my current partners? Um, I have manufacturing partners in different locations around the world. Would one of them want to absorb my business into theirs, but still, still keep it as a distinct, um, you know, name um, within their business? Um, some somehow, 
where the name uh, would live on, sort of, not sort of, so somehow the name would live on. I think that would be very gratifying to me to know that that it will persist, you know, and that um, the next generation and the generation after that will hopefully hear about it in some way, shape, or form, you know, if they're ever involved in uh, sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, thanks for asking it. it it's a, I think it, it is an important question um, and, and one that I don't spend enough time thinking about. It's, it's okay, you don't have to, you don't have to. No pressure. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good that you asked me. Excellent. I have two more questions for you. Sure. The, the first one is, what would be uh, your one recommendation that you would give to other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs? If you can, you know, if you, if you, if you can, I'm thinking I'm addressing uh, the entrepreneur, build a new business based on your experience. Don't, you know, don't, um, if, if you've been, um, if you've been an electrical engineer for 30 years, don't necessarily go into guitar making, you know, and that might be a passion of yours. Um, but I think, I think you'll, you're, you're more likely to be successful if you build a business based on your electrical engineering experience. Now, if you, you know, if you can't stand being an electrical engineer anymore, uh, fine. I, I, I totally understand that. But if you can build that new business based on your decades of experience, it gives you such a, such a great foundation to build that business rather than, you know, basically starting from scratch. But if you've got the passion, you know, if you've got the passion to try something completely different, uh, more power to you. But, you know, I, I know I built, I, I built my business on my background and I don't regret it at all. I mean, it, it, it gave me a, a great foundation and uh, it, it gave me, a, you know, a lot of uh, confidence and strength because I was building it on, on something that I had spent decades building already. And am I addressing a senior entrepreneur? If you want, if you want to, yes. I, I mean, particularly if I am addressing a senior entrepreneur, don't try to raise money uh, from from investors, <laughs> um, because you know they're you know they're they're not going to be able to get away from your age. Yeah. Um, no matter no matter how much experience you have, if you've never been an entrepreneur before. And you're asking them for you know X million dollars to start your new business. You're you're wasting your time. They're they're you know they're not going to do it. And we spent a year you know knocking on doors like that and getting the door slammed in our face. You're too old. Um, you know you you have no entrepreneurial experience, et cetera, et cetera. So don't waste the time. Raise the you know raise the money some other way. You know. Um, Start without, you know, start slowly without any real funding. Just go slowly and build up the business at a slow pace. Yes, it's a lot different than getting a, a big investment, but you'll never have those investors on your back ever. You'll, you'll be able, you'll be free of that kind of burden um, to satisfy those investors. And I think that's a blessing, really. The message. <laughs> was given actually actually it's also a good message for the young entrepreneurs <laughs> the startup yeah. founders <laughs> so my last question <laughs> to you how can people contact you 
I'm, I'm easy to find. I mean, the easiest way is through the web, through our company's website. Um, and the website is uh, pulpworksinc.com. And there's a, there's a contact page at the, uh, at the back of the website. I, I think that's the easiest way. Excellent. And uh, be, be, before we leave, I encourage people to go and uh, watch your TED Talk. Uh, I forgot the name. Oh, there you go. The title, How oh, I Became an Entrepreneur at 66. Thank you very much, Paul, for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's been, it's been a pleasure, and um, I really appreciate it. And um, I hope our paths cross again as well. I hope so too. And thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any. See you next time. Bye for now.